I got just like the great authors of the past, your Ernest Hemingway's, your Percy Shelley's. And Hemingway um, Deckery? I have a Bishop's Texas tea. <laughs> just like Hemingway himself drank. One Bishop's of the cider Texas tea. So much better than what I'm doing. You know that's One right. Great. So I'm going to crack this open. Here we go. I'm drinking um, a Cayman Jack Paloma cocktail in a can, mm. um, which is fine. They're yeah. all very lime based. Um, you say lime? Have little lime? Covers. Lime. Lime. I thought you said wine for a second. I was like, oh, that's interesting. No, it's like it's like carbonated lime with a little bit of alcohol. And then each one has like a flavor. Mm-hmm. The ginger one they call Moscow Mule. This one is Paloma. Um, they have a margarita, hmm. which I think is just the lime. Um, so is it sort of like a, like a hard seltzer almost? What? It's more of a soda, honestly. It's more of like a alcoholic soda almost interesting because it's very tasteful it's not like it's definitely not a seltzer mm-hmm. yeah there's only like one hard seltzer i've ever had that i like and it's the sonic kind i don't think i've ever had a hard seltzer. just not much going premium, on. premium malt beverage with uh natural flavor mm, premium it's a, um, a whole five percent out yeah that's this is six percent Oh, you're gonna be wasted. Mm-hmm. Like a thousand times. Um, you look very tired. I know. I'm feeling very tired. We should get started. There's something in there for a cold open. Us talking about our drinks is very on brand. Oh no, no. There's a cold open here. I've got. Oh, you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Cameron, we have a very important decision. Mm-hmm. Um, we're here, obviously, to reboot season five of Boy Meets World into season four of. Our Boy Meets World that has a movie that includes season two. Mm-hmm. Naturally. Um, yeah, naturally. Like you do. Yeah. Um, or we can talk about what we really want. What do we really want to talk about, Cameron? Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Xenoblade Chronicles 3. You created the limit break. I'm creating the chain attack. Uh-huh. Well, here it is. <laughs> the top of the episode. The you can use your chain attack yeah. at the top of the at the top of the battle. You, have you to know, build up the meter. Earlier today, I got seven hundred thousand damage on a bad guy that probably had five hundred hit points less. <laughs> you do what you want. You got to overkill, man. It's the overkill. I thought he was in the middle of a group, and I could use AOE abilities and chain attack to hit the group. He was not in a group. Mm-hmm. I was not targeting who I thought I was. So it was like one dude with this much health, and I was like, "Well, I'm still gonna play it out till the end." Good. And it was one of my best chain attacks. That sounds like it. I think I've gotten like 50,000. Um, it, was, it was a good chain attack. You'll get more. You, you don't have heroes yet, and you don't have... Uh, I have my first hero. Oh, okay. But I don't think for very long. Very much longer. Um, and you ha- don't have... You can't add Ouroboros to chain attack. Mm. So chance for everyone at home, listening to our mad ravings and hearing us say words like heroes and chain attacks and Ouroboros... What are, what are what is Xenoblade Chronicles 3? First, I would just like to uh, point out, you've made your decision. <laughs> I asked you a question. <laughs> just subconsciously, you made it. <laughs> oh, dear. I did, didn't I? Guess this is going to be the first episode we record. Here we go. <laughs> um, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is uh, Monolith Soft's uh, latest masterpiece in a long line of great masterpieces. Um, 
It is the third great game in the Xenoblade Chronicles uh, trilogy. Well, kind of quadrilogy. It's complicated. And it started in 2011. 2011, you say? Yeah, it started in uh, 2011 on the Wii of all calls with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. Makes sense. Um, the first one would be called that. You know, um, I have been a fan of the creators of Xenoblade for a long time. Um, I played the original Xenogear on the PlayStation 1. Um, the Xeno like brand, quote-unquote, has always been way bigger like in ambition than it had like the resources or the people willing to invest in it. Because mm-hmm, wasn't the original um, so they Xeno were, Gears, wasn't the original Xeno Gears like not finished? Like it basically um, ends with some text of like, and here's what happened. Sort of. So they had planned like six games to be Xeno. Um, and the first game was, but they were then told they weren't going to get to continue. Mm, okay. So they just kind of like wrap up this six game. Um, and they were, you know, they were told that it would finish and then it just didn't. And then they tried again on the PlayStation 2 with Xeno Saga. They got two games and then in the development of the third game, they just cut them off. So the mm. third one is real short, just ends. I've never played the Xeno. Um, I played the, I've beaten the first Xeno Gear, but that was, that was probably when that happened. Um, and then finally, Nintendo bought them and they were like, hey, your games are cult classic. People love them. Just make one. And they're like, okay, with what restrictions? And Nintendo's like, no, you don't understand. Make your game. Beautiful. And they, they, they just got to make it. And Xenoblade Chronicles is one of many people's favorite games of all. Um, I would dare say it is an I had never played it until the definitive edition came out on Switch. Um, and it is it is a variant. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a game that, if I remember right, wasn't coming to the States. Like they weren't going to release it. It was a Japan only thing. And then there was like basically a campaign that was like, hey, Nintendo, these are three JRPGs that are, seem really cool that are only in Japan. Bring them to America. And Xenoblade Chronicles was one of them. And it was the only one of those three that ended up being brought over to the United States. Yeah, I've heard that. I don't. I've never looked into it, but um, thank goodness I, it I was. Much. Thank goodness it was. I know that they were originally just going to dub the game, uh, or not dub it, just sub the title to make it. I just heard a tummy growl. Hmm. It must have been mine, but I thought my dog might have been. Sorry. <laughs> a rogue tummy growl. Um, it didn't sound like it came from me. Anyway. Back to what I was saying. They were originally just going to subtitle the whole game, but Monolith Soft was like, it's not going to do well in America. It's just not. Um, and then they, they were like, well, we can't, we can't dub it in America. There's just no way. Um, so they found in England, um, they could hire ununionized voice actors to uh, voice the game for really, really cheap. So that is why Xenoblade Chronicles, all three games, have everyone has a British accent. Mm-hmm. One character so, doesn't in three. I think he's supposed to kind of have like a gruff, like kind of Americanized British accent. Oh, no, I mean Senna. Senna doesn't have an accent. Oh, that's true. Senna doesn't. I meant Riku. Yeah, Riku. <laughs> Riku. We'll get to Riku, I'm assuming. Um, but yeah, the games are um, really just works of imaginative art, I would <laughs> say. Like... The ambition and artistry of these games is kind of crazy when you think about it. Like when you think of like a fantasy or a sci-fi game, you're like, oh, this takes place on another planet or this takes place in 
Mordor. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I in just the before places. times. Yeah, in the before times or in the dystopian future. But Xenoblade dares to ask, like, what if everything was, like, totally mm-hmm. Just, like, the laws of physics are being broken in ways that we're not really used to. Like, just the way that rock formations have happened. And, like, you're, like the, in the, really, the first two games are very adamant from up front that you're living on the backs of these giant creatures. Or yeah, these so the, dead gods. Yeah, in the first one, you your, your whole world is on two what are essentially, st- like... They were warring gods who stopped warring. One is made entirely of machinery, and the other one is made entirely of earth and organic trees. Stuff. Yeah, organic material. And they were at war, and then they just kind of stopped. And then when they stopped, life started to develop on both of like mechanical life and uh, biological life on the other. And like they've been at war because they're so different. But like everywhere you go, like you're on their knee, you're on their hip. Mm-hmm. You're on, <laughs> it's like you get to a new area back. and it's like Bionis Patella. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. And like you go inside them and fight, you like fight outside on them. Um, and we won't spoil any of the plot. Um, but there are these like different races, like people with the wings on their heads mm-hmm. um, that evolved from like dragons and. There are like little bunny mascot creatures called Napon. Mm-hmm. Love um, a good Napon. Who, who have a funny way of speaking. Um, and then there's the the mechanical people. Um, I think those are the only real races in the and the humans first race. Right? Homs. Yeah, and the humans. Uh, yeah, the Homs, the Napon, and Mechons, and the Hyantia. The Hyantia, yeah. <clears throat> okay, yeah, those are the bird, the the wing headed people. Um, and those are the kind of the races in the first game. Um, and in the second game, I'm just talking a lot. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Second game, and it's it's interesting. I'll talk about the second one because that's it. the one, it's the one that drew me in. Um, but the second game, because you normally would think like, oh, it's the sequel is gonna take place in the same world, like pick up kind of where the first one left off, which I feel like is the way Xenosaga was, at least from my understanding, like it's telling this big what? overarching story. But Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is completely different i mean one doesn't sound super grounded but the story feels pretty grounded um in a way Uh, a little bit more real the character models are a little bit more um lifelike in a way and then xenoblade chronicles 2 is just like pure anime wildness goodness ridiculousness Mm -hmm. um and it rather than being on just two sort of dead god bodies it's like on a bunch of these creatures called titans that are similar to the Bionis and Mechonis from before, but they're all very different. Like one's like a giant, looks like a giant horse and one's mm-hmm. a giant stingray. And um, but we're talking about like continent size, mm-hmm. huge, huge, huge. Horses. like yeah. people just live on it and live their, can live their whole lives on it and not really go anywhere and have everything they need. Yeah. Um, multiple cities. Yeah. And it's a world where those Titans are starting to die off. And so there's just this kind of, concern and war over like land mm-hmm. and then there's this boy named rex who's trying to find um basically the point where it all began elysium and they can kind of start over and like have everything that yeah. they need yeah rex's main goal is to resurrect the titans but also um 
the the kind of main combat gimmick of two not of one one you just use weapons to fight but in two you use these weapons that are tied to like living beings called blades so like you have a sword but your sword is also a a woman (laughs) like Mm -hmm. mostly women because there's quite a few dudes people Mm -hmm. give it a bad rap but there's quite a few there there are um well everyone is beautiful Yes, everyone everyone is beautiful. Even Wolfric, the terrible monster. He's just mm-hmm. a beautiful, beautiful, terrible monster. But they're they're like living, thinking, choosing being. And at first you're like, and you know, they, they grab these crystals and then they spawn one of these blades, like one of these people and one of these weapons. And like, those are your companions. And you're like, oh, that'd be so cool. You've got all these powers and you live forever. But like, it quickly comes out that like, the blades kind of hate it themselves because they're constantly like their memories are resetting and they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're constantly losing who they are mm-hmm. and then so, like having to be reawakened. Um, so they're in like a constant cycle of like death. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just, it uses this big flashy anime game to kind of tell this really poignant story about loss mm-hmm. and about grief and about moving on and how those yeah. aren't always, those are good things um it's it's just really it's nice yeah i think i think the first one the first one you you said it's more grounded and i think that's true it's a much more classic like war story with a twist mm-hmm. um like but it's all about like what you're willing to give up to overcome your destiny it's all about like overcoming the struggles of life and like the things that the world has set in front of you and like changing your place in the world um and overcoming like when the world is set against you excuse me but the second one, um, the war, like, because Cameron said, it's like, there's like a war over this diminishing land, but that war isn't really at all. Like, everyone kind of seems resigned that, like, everything is going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never really see the war or participate mm-hmm. in it. It's like, here's kind of the two sides. Mm-hmm. You know, some people from both sides. But, like, and- even even the people you meet aren't, like, interested in like actually continuing the war per se mm-hmm. is like you get one dying thing or you get another dying. Like yeah. we're all kind of doomed either way. Yeah. Like, so it's this, it's this happy go lucky anime game. Um, and it is happy go lucky. You play like someone who looks like a kid. Um, he, all he wants to do is dive for treasure. Um, he's got a, he's got a dragon grandpa Titan who's sassy mm-hmm. and you get a, big boobed sword girl <laughs> and like it seems like oh this is so silly but then like when you really like kind of dig in it's a story of, like karen said like grief and even like when you start getting into the villains like i guess minor minor spoilers skip ahead 10 minutes but like everyone's just given up like that's the whole point of their villainy is they've mm-hmm. given up <laughs> yeah it's like so what does it matter if i destroy everything because it's all going to be destroyed anyway why not just yeah. kind of hurry things along and get onto oblivion yeah, so it's like you're fighting, ultimately you're fighting like melancholy um, and like hubris, I guess, mm-hmm. um, which is really, I don't know, it's really interesting. Um, these games are really deep, if you haven't noticed. Like Cameron and I have played a lot of Japanese RPGs and I, I think I am comfortable saying these are like, like what, if you dig like one layer deep and then like multiple layers deep, super like, they're trying to say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have big overarching messages. Yeah. It's not just anime, hot person nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. I I think they really do really well what a lot of Final Fantasy games try to do. 
Um, Final Fantasy was very revolutionary for its time, and I love Final Fantasy, especially the first 12. But I think these really, like, 7 isn't really, like, like it tries. It tries mm-hmm. to be the story about something. But at the end of the day, it's about, like, a guy with mommy issues fights a guy with imposter syndrome. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's not, like, a huge, deeper thing to that. It's like the, the world is kind of a spectacle, but these worlds feel alive and like they have something to say about our modern time. Mm-hmm. I just think it's really important. Yes. And both of them are great. Mm-hmm. Both of them are on Nintendo Switch. Um, I, I do feel the need to point out that the second one can be very triggering for people. Um, and there is stuff you just kind of have to get back. Like the tutorials in the game are terrible. Often mm-hmm. they're not going to teach you how to play that game. Go online and have someone online teach you how to play that game because the the tutorials aren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. And the way that it treats women is kind of crappy. Um, not all the time. There's some really strong, powerful women um, in it who are great, but almost every single one of them, except for a handful, are pretty heavily fetishized. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one that you know most of the entire game, um, and she's like not fetishized at all. And then she has her coming out moment and is suddenly like, I'm a fetish. Look at me. Mm-hmm. Here I am. Um, the first one does that a little bit with certain women, but this one is just... Yeah. There's a giant boobed ice dog. I never got her, and that's fine with me. <laughs> um, who's? I think she's based on Dolly Parton. She's Southern. <laughs> but gi- uh, giant is an understatement. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Um, so it's not great to women. Um, it makes just about all of them a fetish, and there's one character that you want to love but you just can't because the implications of what he's doing are disgusting um he has he has built a robot to service his own blade there's just jokes in mm-hmm. um so you do there's a little there's a little poop in your brownie as uh my former employer would say <laughs> kind of gotta kind of gotta get past that i mean it's great the game is great but there is especially around the representation of women and the second one. Mm-hmm. There's some... Just a little bit of stuff. Um, yeah. So that's the second one. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. Not for any of the reasons that Chance mentioned. Or the bad things. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. yeah. I don't I don't actually know anyone who enjoys it for those reasons. Like, I kind of feel like it was a big swing and a miss. Um, Usually people talk about it it's in, like, despite those reasons. Yeah. Most it's really good. Not. Or that's um, a thing that makes them not like it. Just they can't get over it. Which I understand. Yeah, there's like a weird line of like how sexy a video game can be. And like, I feel like Bayonetta walks on one side of that line where it's like sexy to the point of comedy. Like, oh, it's so funny. Her hair is clothes and like she does sexy moves while she shoots people. Ha ha ha. So Bayonetta is like one side of that. And then there's like, I know Kirby, that's nothing. And this is like in this area of like kind of exploitative, like anime-ish exploitative. Mm-hmm. That doesn't quite cross over into like the self-aware sat- satirical humor that Bayonetta gets to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it is a great game. I love it to piece. I think it is a masterpiece with one fairly glaring. Yeah, I would agree. There is a DLC that comes with it that's just its own like game that kind of doesn't have those issues. Yeah, it, it definitely pairs it back. Um, yeah, and it's wonderful. Um, I feel like playing the main game is necessary to really appreciate it, um, but it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, the, the the DLC is probably probably better than 
just mm-hmm. the way it plays. Yeah, and it's it's again, it's this seemingly lighthearted on the surface game that's really talking about like the power of community. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's like kind of the main mechanic throughout as you're building this community. Um, And as you're you're building it and developing it, like your later quests loop in people that you've helped out before as they're like, well, of course I want to help. And you're like doing all of this with just a bit of, uh, what's the word? Dramatic irony, where it's like, you know what's going to happen in the end Mm -hmm. if you played the game, like the main game. Um, But it's like, you're, yeah, it's just, it's still this really nice story. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's it's a tearjerker by the end. Mm-hmm. Um, don't uh, don't forget your hankies when you get near the end of that game. Yeah, it got me actually. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, even I was like, I know that do this was coming, but no. <laughs> um, it's real. It's really a, quite a bummer. Um, yeah, it's the DLC. It's called Torna the Golden Cup. It's mm-hmm. very good. Um, you can play it. I, I recommend you either play it before two between chapters i think it's six and seven in two or after mm-hmm. um but pick one yeah any of those would be fine yeah um don't play it in like the middle of the first six chapters and you wouldn't want um, to you wouldn't want to um yeah i hear a lot of fans say the best way to do it is right in between those two chapters right before you get to um the world makes sense um, cause you kind of know what all has happened, but you haven't like seen it all. And then you get to see like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, before some villains really reveal their villainy, true um, you, you know, who all the characters are. Um, yeah. Like Hayes, you know, who she is mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, anyway, that's a great time to do it. So two is a great game. Um, and I will say this, I, I know I brought up the whole disclaimer about like, it's one glaring blemish. I actually think people online, if you look this up, are going to way overhype this. It is not that. Like, the stuff with the character who makes the little robot girl is, it's it's bad. But mm-hmm. the rest of it, I feel like, is a little over. And pretty avoidable, because it's like, there's a lot of characters you can use. Yeah. Well, and you don't have to stare at the characters normally. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's. Yeah, you don't. you freaks. Just don't ogle anime characters, and you're fine. Um just basic arithmetic and it has a character named morag who in my opinion is one of the best female characters there is like morag is an incredible character she's my favorite character Mm -hmm. um yeah she owns yeah she owns and she's like deep and complicated and like when you really realize the weight of what's going on with her like and what she's doing in the story which i don't want to spoil it's pretty fantastic um she's great so just because most of the characters are like feminized to an unhealthy or fetishized. That's I guess, the word, yeah. It's not feminized. To like kind of a, a bummer degree. You you still have gems in there like Morag who are just like huh. so great. And she doesn't have a moment where like suddenly I take my hair down and I, I'm sexy Morag now. Like no, she's always. She's always insane. just who she is. And sexy can be good characters, but trust me in this game it's just no it's really not it's not um so so don't believe online how about like how egregious it is because it's not that bad but just know that it is still a flaw it's a flaw so that's two um i don't really have any disclaimers for one it's great play it yeah there's really no reason to not Mm -hmm. to um so that's why we didn't spend much time talking about the flaws of one because i would say Mm -hmm. Personally, I like the I don't like the combat in one as much, but that's just a personal thing. 
Yeah. It gets a bit repetitive. So yeah, a lot of people don't like the combat in two. Oh, I um, love the combat in two. But the thing about two, and I, I, I recently saw this in a YouTube video, and I really liked the way they, there are a lot of elements to combat. There's there's combos, and there's blade combos, and there's um, blade arts, and normal arts, and talent arts. Um, and then there's chain attacks with elemental orbs. <laughs> elemental just, breaks and all of those things. Yeah. Elemental breaks are so stinking in those games. Like it is that game and it's kind of ridiculous. And like I said, the game does not do a great job of explaining the combat to you. But once you get get it figured out and get it under your belt. And like I said, if you were one of those people who would get turned off at watch a YouTube video, excuse me, to have someone like explain it to you. But once you, you, you get it figured out, I feel like One's Combat is a really great pop song. Like a great like cut to the feeling by Carly Rae Jepsen something like that but two every little part of the combat like comes together to be greater than the sum of its parts and mm-hmm. it's more like an orchestra <laughs> like yeah it's really nice it, it it really comes together to be pretty incredible but there is some work that you have to do <laughs> to get there yes to get there and you're going to spend 35 ish hours where the combat is just, like there's no there's no getting around it you don't have the things you need to do well in it you don't have characters you need to do well in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the know. rough part where it's like, you need a full team of three to uh, really start pulling things off and like it not getting killed all the time. And it takes a very long time to get mm-hmm. a full team of three that stays there. Yeah. To get a full team of three that stays there takes a long time. And like, there are just a lot of things that are locked off to you. Chain attacks are locked off uh, off to you for so long. Um, and they're such an integral part of like, late game play and like combos you don't get someone who can complete the second part of the combo for a really long time mm-hmm. it's just you're going to spend about 35 hours which is a long time a long time where the combat is insufferable and but then suddenly the it becomes an orchestral work of art yeah the pacing's not great so that's kind of the background of the two games <laughs> now on to what we really want to talk it's about it's a lot of background but I think both are really worth your time. Yeah, they're they're fantastic. It's one it's, of my favorite game series of all time. It's a lot of time. Like these are long games. Mm-hmm. But, but it's so so mm-hmm. very very good. But that brings us to a modern. I mean, they're all modern. They're, and this year masterpiece. <sighs> as far as we can tell, masterpiece is the word. I think I am almost to the halfway point. How far are you? Um, I'm a little over. I mean, I just started chapter three. Mm-hmm. I'm probably about 12-ish hours in. Okay. I am on my way to the end of chapter four at about 40. Oh, wow. It, yeah, it really. I mean, it opens up here in chapter three from what you've said and what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter three is probably the biggest like growth chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, like for your literal character stats and whatnot? Just for your options, I would say. Mm-hmm. You get, I think you get more more heroes in chapter three than any other chapter. Good to know. I, I've checked to make sure like I'm not missing any care, uh, heroes, mm-hmm. and it just looks like like every chapter has like two or three, but there's like oh, um, good to know. Chapter three. Um, just at the, I'm just at the beginning of it, so I have one hero. But Xenoblade Chronicles three is Xenoblade. There's a lot going on. 
There's so much going on. And there's so much. So one thing we didn't touch on for the first two that I do think is important is that while they are entirely different story, there is a connection that reveals itself at the very end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it reveals itself at the end of both. Yes. Um, do we want to say what that is? No, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. I don't either. Um, yes. There's something that happens in both that you're like, well, when you just played one, you're like, oh, okay. And then you play two, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. And then, so three, how do I put this? One and two kind of feel complete in a way. Like it it makes sense. The connection between one and two makes, you understand Mm -hmm. why it's three opens up and nothing makes, I'm sure it will by the end of the game, but like there's a few crossover characters between one and two, like blink and you'll miss them crossover characters. Um, that are in both but suddenly in three you're in this world where people that were the the races fantasy race not like the human race um the fantasy races from one are fighting a war against the fantasy races two mm-hmm. like the 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 fantasy races from one there's only like four of them and i'm just realizing them. is lands is he one of the mechanical People? I think he's a Mechon. Yeah. There, there's a specific name that they have for them. I'm going to look it up because okay. it's not quite Mechon. Cameron, Google something. Um, it says Mechon, but that can't be right. They had a different name. That's what I've been thinking, at least, is that he looks like the the people of the Yeah, Mechons. the people that you meet like 60% of the way through. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this makes sense that you guys would exist. <clears throat> Basically, like mechanical versions of people. Yeah, um, but they're not robots. They're not robots. Either. They're like if or machines were organic life as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's one of those. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of those. And they're in a war. And um, this isn't much of a spoiler for you, Cameron. Um, so, but like with people with like, because the, the second one, the blades are all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. Like some of them have fire hair and some of them have like body parts made of ice and like ears and lots of different skin colors yeah Yeah. you have like a whole race of people that have like cat ears yeah cat boys and girls as an entire race but yeah one of the main characters of that nation in in xenoblade 3 has fire hair Mm -hmm. another one has like the cat ears um you meet people later that like have ice features Mm -hmm. i've met one character it's like a flashback and she has like basically icicle horns yeah, she has like icicle horns. And um, um, do you remember the people that it's like a whole group of people on one of the Titans that has like blue elf ears? Not off the top of my head. They're, they're not a big important one, um, but it looks like they've got like They're important to them. How dare you? They're important to this. Um, and then there's like elf looking people. Mm-hmm. Um, like the sort of grayer skin, mm-hmm. like a Maltus. Yeah, like a Maltus. Um, and all of those people make up the other army, and the and the, these two armies are fighting each other. Um, and one of the interesting things that I just now realized that I think we're supposed to understand is the big beefy character keeps talking about exosuits. He's like, "I need some exosuit maintenance." Mm-hmm. Um, it's the the blue circles that are on them are their exos, and they make them stronger because the people of the other nation, Agnia. Mm-hmm. Are strong are physically stronger than the people of Kevis. Interesting. Um, 
And it's I think we're supposed to just like robot suits. Huh? So there are robot suits. Yeah, they're kind of in like robotic suits that increase their physical abilities because the other people are just like naturalistically stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes me think that they're blades, but that's a whole other thing. Some of them yeah. seem to be. Yeah. Um, it, it gets to the point where most of them seem to be. Um, and these two these two factions are at war for no reason. Mm-hmm. They're discernible. Yeah, they're just like, and this isn't spoilers because this is like the trailers. Yeah. It's like the people in this world are like basically born for war. They live for 10 years. And if they make it to the end, like they receive kind of this hero's ceremony. It's called a homecoming where they're welcomed by the queen and they still die. Um, but it's like a hero's honorable, most honorable thing you could ever shoot for in your life. But everybody seems to only live for 10 years and they're locked in this eternal war with this other nation where everybody only lives for 10 years. And when people die, they don't like die, die. They turn into like light or like energy somehow. Um, and I think people are born at like 15 ish. It seems, um, maybe like 14 ish and die at like 24, 25. Mm-hmm. The main reason they do that is so that everybody can just be smoking hot. Yeah, smoking hot all the time. Everybody is just like the peak of human physicality. Yeah, they're they're instantly dropped into the world, taught how to fight and survive the most basic ways, and then like they're assigned to a unit. They go to war, mm-hmm. and each unit has this giant robot. There's a thing called a flame clock, and as they kill the enemy, it gathers their like essence into the flame clock and the more they have of it the stronger they are the more prestige they have the more resources they get yeah 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 the and if their flame clocks ever run out they die um everyone it, the flame clock will like suck up everyone who's connected to its energy instead mm-hmm. um so like they have to go to war to fill this flame clock or they're like they're and like there's two castles with two queens and those queens like give orders to these people called consuls and there's like one console for every colony of troops and each colony has a commander mm-hmm. and they're they're at war and it's kind of like a game like they have colony ranks based on how well they do like i, I know at least there's dirt bronze or b- dirt tin bronze silver and gold mm-hmm. i've met people from colonies of those ranks. yeah i know that i know of at least silver because a character mm-hmm. they talk about her having achieved that and then dirt rank which is like the lowest mm-hmm. um yeah 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 and they're and they're, like, they're rewarded for fighting and like the one that you talked about like they were silver but then they got dropped to dirt because like reasons well I, because they refused to kill. Mm-hmm. so like killing is really important like refuse to kill somebody who's awesome and clearly i hope comes back because i want to be his class i can't talk. that's that's neither I here know, nor there uh, i know things I won't spoil things for the listeners. I won't spoil things. I really appreciate it. You've done a great job, like in my the past week of not spoiling anything. Um, but the main sort of cast of characters that you see, like the two sort of main, main, main characters, their jobs, they're what are called offseers. So like when people die before they reach their homecoming, their job is to go and basically like find their see, see them off to whatever's next. They For like, some reason, playing a flute seems to turn them mm-hmm. into light. It's just a little flute. Um, it's very cool. Beautiful. Um, but essentially, they're like professional mourners of the dead. Mm-hmm. So they would go around, and if their allies died in battle, they would see them off. Yeah, and everyone just 
lives to fight, hoping that someday they'll have their homecoming and they call it returning to the queen. I think we all know they're dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone just kind of, that's their, that's their whole deal. They're born at like 15. Um, they die at like 25. At most 25. Yeah. Most people before that. Yeah. Yeah. At most 25. And like, it's really tragic and really sad. And like someone points that out to the heroes and they're like, Hey, yeah, this sucks. Uh-huh. Um, and then it th- hurt though, that they're then kind of marked by everybody. Mm-hmm. Like you need to kill these people. Yeah. Basically this guy kind of forces them to be traitors. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't really give them a choice, um, but they're people who already kind of don't want to be doing what they're doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they've lived long enough to like kind of see that all of this sucks. Um, yeah. Cause they're like on their eight or ninth year. Yeah. Yeah. Of One of them, most of them have two years left. One of them has three months. Dun, dun, dun. What's going to happen. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's, it's crazy. And it's, it's a really interesting setup for a game. There's also like a lot of weird physical features. If you, as you're going around the map and looking at stuff, like a lot of weird physical features. If you stand on some of the mountains and look out, there's like a sword mountain and like a head that looks like a dragon's head. Mm-hmm. If you're just looking around the map. And then there's so, spots where like at the very beginning, you see this kind of happen where there's almost like these warps and big orbs of stuff just like disappear, like giant chunks of the world are taken away. And like you yeah. see that in kind of the first big area you get to where it's like it's these big arches that are over everything, but like something has warped parts of it away. And so there's these parts that just aren't connected to anything. Yeah, it's like up in the air. Momentary black hole mm-hmm. like destroyed. But but you're right, it just kind of stays up in the air. Yeah. So it's just like like Chance was saying earlier, where it's not like, oh, this is just like mid medieval times i almost said middle eastern times that's a very different thing um but like medieval times or this is a space station it's just like literally otherworldly and just like not anything that you would see anywhere else yeah and and a lot of it a lot of it is like meaningless to people who haven't played the first two games but to people who have played the first two games like obviously those physical features make you think like you're on a titan but no one is mentioning that Mm -hmm. And like, how would there be a Titan where pieces of him are just getting warped away? Yeah, shouldn't he be like alive? And there's like a big deal out of it. A lot more of it, but it's like a flat world plane. So you're not like climbing up the body of Mm -hmm. of a dead God. Like, so there's a lot of things that just like, if you don't have any of that background, you're going to be play this game and you're going to do great. But also like, if you have played those, you'll start to notice just these little things here and there. And you're like, wait, what's going on? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and even it even breaks down to like, you know, we've said before, like the people from this nation seem to be from the first game and the people from this nation seem to be from the second game. And when you look mechanically at those, like the first one, the combat, the way it all works is like you're auto attacking, like both games are about auto attacking. And yeah, we don't have time to explain the combat system, but I get you. <laughs> but this is this is a, this is important. Um mm-hmm. It's like, you're like, okay, I'm going to use this move Then if I am in this position, I'll hit better. And you use it, and then that just starts a cooldown clock. And it's like, mm-hmm. when the clock ends, you can use the move again. Pretty basic. And two, you use a move, and then you have to auto-attack a certain number of times before you can use it again. It's not yeah. a timer. If you just run around, it's never going to fill up because you're not auto-attacking. But if you stop and you hit, it'll slowly like tick the move up to be able to use it again. And in this game... The people from the one nation and any hero classes that you get from it, their moves work on a timer. Yeah. 
And then on, from the other nation, their moves work on a number of auto attack clock. Um, and it's like, as you start to unlock the different classes and it's like, say you have a character from the place where it's a timer and they get a move from a class where it's a cooldown clock or not a cooldown clock, but it's the auto attack tick down. That move still has the tick down. And so it's just like, just kind of tied to those, where it's like the two games are fighting each other. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's exactly like that. And yeah, even down to the mechanics, it's like- We don't know why. What's going on here? And like, there's nothing at the end of either game that would make us think like this would be any kind of future mm-hmm. for for those games. Um, so it's just, it's very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because both of them end pretty positively. Yeah. Or hopeful yeah, at least. Is. Hopeful, yeah. I like the word hope. <laughs> um, so there's just a lot of question of what's going on. Everyone's got a computer in their eye for some reason. Man, I wish that'd be cool. <laughs> like they can they can call people by tapping their eye. They can like scan things. They can get, they can send maps to each other. They like just tap their eye and suddenly, yep, like whatever. You know, and you know, you always wonder in these like where do people keep their weapon? Well, this game it makes no qualms about it. They manifest them out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. That's like, just something that they can do. Yeah, you know, they just res their weapons in to, to the game, um, which is super interesting. But the, yeah. the game is really about like choice so far. I mean, it, it's it, it's too early to get into greater themes, but like giving people a choice and giving people a choice is what gives them hope. Hope leads people to do incredible things. Um, yeah, and you can change the world with hope. And using people is bad. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Don't join the mob. Don't join a cult. Don't use people. Yeah, exactly. That's what we say here on Boy Meets World Fever. Yeah, in that order. Boy Meets World podcast. You, you know, uh, I saw on Instagram that Bro Meets World reviewed the movie Nope. That's very on brand. So mm-hmm. it's so on brand like, for us. I feel like it is very on brand for us to give a review in progress of Xenoblade Chronicles. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all we're gonna do with this one. Um, um, yeah. I would give the first game in rating like a nine point five out of 10 like it's it's a master of i don't even know what i'm taking the point point five off for like just something don't know what i think it kind of drags toward the end i didn't think i did play it all kind of all at once during the panel um but yeah so i would give it about that um i would give the second one like maybe an 8.5 taken off points for the crappiness but honestly like if you removed the crappiness towards women and the terrible tutorials i like it more than the first one mm-hmm. um but i feel like like in good those are pretty I glaring mean, things though yeah like you need yeah. the game to explain how to play it and you also need the game to respect uh, women yes and it does not do either <laughs> um so just a whole point off for torah um sorry torah you got nothing on ricky uh yeah sorry or uh, or um or Riku. Riku. Riku and Manana. Yeah. All I three of those Napan are great. Mm-hmm. Tora and his weird little girl Um, Yeah, that can just go away. Um, so I would give it like an eight, an eight, maybe an 8.5. Um, even though like story-wise and combat-wise, I probably like it better. Mm. Um, so far, if this game keeps up this pace, it's a, like it it redefines what a great game is. Like, yeah, I'm I'm way behind you, but so far I would agree. I just feel like it just, it feels amazing. Like the world is interesting. Um, it's epic as can be. Like some of the, like the boss fights and the, um, 
cutscenes and things are just like already just like amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot of jokes online, and I don't know. I haven't looked into like this at all, but every song in this game was written like it was the composer's last song they're ever gonna make before they. <laughs> Like it's a joke online and I don't know if like the composer said that at one point or if just someone said it and it caught on, but like every song there is to end the tutorial, which is kind of chapter one, there is a boss fight and the music flows so insanely. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, there's this welling up and you just get so into it. And like the music is so good. And like, there's a lot of people that have like, made memes and one of them i like was someone looking over at someone else's paper like oh that that's gonna be incredible like i've never seen a final boss theme that good and he's like oh this is the tutorial boss (laughs) (laughs) it's like there's the meme where it's like you know just a just a normal theme you know don't have to go all out and then it's just the picture of the guy playing the piano on fire yeah yes it's it's basically that the whole time it is so much that, and you you just finished uh, chapter two, and the ending of that is just like, oh my goodness! Like, mm-hmm. It's like, what it's, what do I need to expect from the rest of this? Because this yeah, was like end of Xenoblade two. Yeah, epic. Levels of uh-huh. it's wonderful. It's yeah, wonderful. and I beat a boss just recently in the middle of chapter four, like in the middle, and I was literally so excited by it. And you can ask my wife, like. I could not sit down after and I had to explain the whole thing to her because I had to get it out of my head. Like I was so pumped and so excited and the game had made me feel so much in that moment. Like it's a really epic boss fight for a middle of a chapter mm-hmm. boss fight. Um, but it had done so much to me that I literally couldn't sit down. I was excited, standing up, shaking. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, mind- I mean, it's crazy because it's just like I just I did the end of chapter two boss fight and it's like that was a three stage yeah like that's like final boss in a lot of games to have that many sort of stages to it of just like yeah. epic awesomeness it's so it's so big um and so huge and it's so um literally my wife was trying to go to bed and I was like babe can I just tell you what happened she's like yes you can so I stood there for 20 minutes and just told her what just happened and why it was so important and why it made me feel the way it did and um, And she said get over here and lay one on me (laughs) um so I'm I'm loving this game um it's all I want to do is like how do I get everything done i need to get done so i can go play z3 yeah why do i have to report back to work next week yeah i don't have to until the week after this yeah next thursday the day this comes out i'll be over um not playing xenoblade chronicles 3 just gotta marathon it and beat it before tell your wife you're gonna go get a hotel room that sounds honestly a little bit miserable <laughs> you know i would do i think there's almost a zero percent chance i don't start xenoblade definitive after this mm-hmm. um maybe i won't i might just be like exploded but if it keeps up i am in a xenoblade like mm-hmm. i beat xenoblade 2 again after i beat xenoblade 1 because mm-hmm. xenoblade 1 got me so pumped about this that i just had to go beat it um so i would i have this feeling mm-hmm. you know that I, will, that I will go and beat one maybe even two again as you um, should to uh, get this anyway it's a great game um not even the final boss of a chapter. Literally, 
like gave me so much energy i couldn't sit down couldn't could not sit down had to talk to his wife for 20 minutes about it like sometimes i just go so excited that my body starts shaking and i have to jump up (laughs) Um, it doesn't happen you are for adam and luke's dad i guess well it's happened to me twice this summer though it happened to me last night while i was playing that fight after i played that and it happened to me when they announced the persona games for switch (laughs) both times were so exciting that i literally like just had to expect an episode on all three of those you know what it's chain attack baby (laughs) yes um xenoblade chronicles 3 if you have a switch you should play it if you don't have a switch you should get a switch and play it um it's wonderful you've heard us talk a lot about Final Fantasy. But now we're talking about Xenoblade, baby. Mm-hmm. We won't do a whole episode on it again. And I can't promise that. Yeah, we make um, no promises, Chance. <laughs> but expect regular chain attacks for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future. Yeah. And while we're here, just at the end of this episode, I'm going to interrupt this chain attack with an S break. Um, because oh. I finished Cold Steel 2 about a week ago. And it, I'm not going to do it to any spoilers. Because I know you haven't played it. But it it is phenomenal. Like it's it is a ten. I believe it. Like and I feel like it in the first game, Cold Steel One and Cold Steel Two, like telling this one big story between the two of them because one ends on like a major cliffhanger, and this is like the rest of what comes after that. Um, and just like the changes they made to the combat, just the sort of the the hooks and the mechanics that they introduce in the second half of the game. Or just like snowboarding or not. Snowboarding's not good. Snowboarding's bad. But you don't have to do it. It isn't a thing that there's not not any uh you don't get any credit for doing it or not doing it. Um, which is nice because I did not like it. But everything else is just like fan freaking tastic. Um, just epic character moments, just a, a an ending where I'm just like, what? Uh, uh, what? Whoa, 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 what? Um, just absolutely wild. I've finished trails from zero. So I'm guessing I know what that moment is just from the other. Okay, maybe. I'll I'm never guessing. tell. You just finished Trails from Zero only? You didn't do Trails to Azure? No. I pirated Trails from Zero and <laughs> bought the translation software. And I didn't want to test my luck by pirating another thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, joke's on you because I'm the police. We got him, boys. Move in. Well, Move in. Long time to get you, you one-time pirater. I, I really wanted to support that company and I will the minute Trails from Zero comes out in America and I will gladly, um, happily. I like it better than Cold Steel 1. Um, but like the only ways to buy it were in full Japanese. And then I had to like navigate Japanese menus and get it installed in Japanese. And then I had to like figure out a way to get around some things so I could mod it with the, with the translation software. And like, it was just a whole thing. And I watched a YouTube video on it and they're like, this is what you can do to actually do it. Or I was like, so I got, I got a pirated version of it with the um, English translation, um, the fan-made English translation that they're using. Like they bought that company and used, uh, are using a tweaked version of that fan translation to be the, mm-hmm. um, the official translation. So I think that's cool that they bought that modding code. Like, yeah. And they use their work and like they, paid for it. Yeah. They, but they, yeah, they paid for it and they, um, I think that's really cool. Um but I bought, I pirated a version of that with that already installed. And that's what I played it on. So, and I'm, I was like, if this ever comes out in English, I'm buying it. So I don't feel bad. Guess you're on the hook. Come September 27th. Oh, it's, it's already in the back. I've told my wife that my three favorite game series 
this year are all releasing games. Mm-hmm. Um, Xenoblade Trails, like Trails and Persona. And Persona. And I've told her, like, like I, <laughs> I love you. And you can tell me no, but these aren't really negotiable for me. <laughs> you, wanna, you want all this? Then you got to take that. <laughs> um, you understands. want me at my best? You need to handle me at my Xenoblade Trails and Persona. Yeah. Um, and it's not fair. Like, it's not fair that Xenoblade Trails and um, Persona are all releasing on a, on a console that I have in like four months. Even mm-hmm. I don't feel like Not it's even. Fair. It's like July to October. Yeah, isn't that four like months? July, months. August, September, October? But it's like the end. It's, it's pretty close. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. It is four months. Three to four months. Um, but yeah, so the, the they're my favorite things. I never got to finish Persona 5 Royale because my hand-me-down PS3 that I was playing it on stopped reading disc. That is a problem. Um, when I was getting not the not the last secret party member, but the last advertised party member I hadn't even finished her father's dungeon mm-hmm. um, when it when it crapped out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I've I never got to finish it. I've beaten Persona three and four. Um, love them to death. So I'm excited to finally beat Persona five and have it on Switch. And it's the Royale version. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm really excited about because that's what I've loved about Xenoblade. Because I just played you know Trails of Cold Steel, and I feel like I would have to do like power sessions on the couch, and it's like I'm I can't stop. But like the Switch, I'm just like oh I need to stop. I'm in the middle of something. But I like something's come up and I can just pause it and then mm-hmm. resume it. And it's awesome. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. I needed to go to the chiropractor the other day. So and I was taking an Uber. So I just brought my switch and played mm-hmm. and played it on my 17-minute trip. Yeah, this week I've taken my kids to like they just opened a play, like a play place in our town. And we have a like a membership. And so I just took my kids, my wife was working, they went and played, and I sat and played also. Maybe I should bring my kid and I can just play with you. Mm-hmm. Playing together. I, uh, for Christmas, I got these and I haven't needed them because the Joy-Cons are fine for the types of sessions that I do. But now that I'm doing long ones again, you know I'll put these bad ones. Ooh, is that the Hori split pad? I think so. I'm not sure. I got it for uh, Christmas from my wife's... Uh, I think it's a split pad pro. I think that's what it is. Looks but it's nice. Cool. The buttons are beefy and it's got mm. good... I've good thought about that. You can try it out. Yeah. Um, I see you next. Well, I do want to thank our audience for listening to us uh, geek out about these things and talk about um, everything from the concept of grief and giant anime boobs and, uh, you know, cycle of war and, you know, all those things. If you are absolutely not going to play Zeno, I'm just going to I'm just going to plug someone else's stuff. A guy named King K on YouTube has like a pretty comprehensive, like more than an hour recap of both of them. Um, and he does a great job of explaining it, leading you through all the story beats. And like, I honestly think if Cameron watched the, his recap for the second one, it would bring him to tears. Because he it sent it to weird. me and I said I would watch it and then I haven't watched it because I'm a terrible friend. But we know it's, that about me. It's fantastic. Um, so if you like don't have a switch or you're just like, man, I cannot invest 80 to 120 hours, depending on how much you want to do. Um, in, or that many dollars. Yeah, or the $60. Um, any of those things, you're like, I don't want to do that. I would watch King K's read um, because they're, but that's all I've got. Yeah, that's all I've got. Follow us at BG World Fever everywhere. Um, 
thank you for making it through this episode. We'll mm-hmm. put maybe a disclaimer at the beginning of it being like, hey, if you don't care about Xenoblade, like, that's what this episode is about. This is a review of Xenoblade because sorry about you. Podcast. Um, you don't like it? Tough. You better learn to love it. I was gonna say if you don't like it, don't listen. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna want to play it by the end. Yeah. There's a there's Boy Meets World coming next week. Yes. That we're probably gonna start recording immediately after we end this. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but anyway, that as we've said, that's all we've got. Um, so from all of us here at Boy Meets World Fever, so long, world. So long. Mm-hmm.